0: through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Good morning, everybody. It is good to have our Kenya team back, and not just back, but mostly with us, I think. So if you fall asleep, we'll forgive you. Really looking forward to hearing from you before too long. well we uh we heard from Arnie last week. was that last week? Yeah, it was a great reminder week before that I was sick, and Scott was here, so it's been a little bit since I've been up here, and we finished Ruth, my youngest daughter. Are you still in Ruth? No, we're done. Well, where are we going next? Well, I haven't had a chance to share with you, most of you where we're going, but Um, during this coming year, probably all the whole of the year in the times that I'm up here, we'll hear from the elders and from others off and on. Um, But while I'm up here, I would like to cover the Old Testament with you. Now, you may wonder how in the world we're going to get through that in one year's time, and maybe it'll stretch a little longer, but not too much longer is my hope, God willing. So, Um, Let's ask the Lord as we start in here this morning to be with us. Father, thank you that we can come together. I'm just grateful for the chance to do that. Thank you for those who maybe aren't feeling well, who are sick this morning or for some other reason are not able to be here. We pray that um, even as they might listen online or something, that you would just be blessing um, our time together. And thank you for your word. For the Old Testament that we um, will spend some time in here in the next months to come. And God, I just pray that you would open our minds to some some new information and not just information, but that we would fall deeper in love with you, the true God, the only God, God of the universe, but also our God, the one who has shown grace who has extended mercy that we might be saved. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to do, what I want to do is a flyover. I'm calling it a flyover. It's somewhat of an overview of the Old Testament. Now, has anyone here read their whole Old Testament? You don't have to raise your hands, but, oh yeah, there's definitely a few, if not most. Um, I've read it all, but it was mainly because I was forced to in a class or two, but... There's some parts of the Old Testament that are not a lot of fun to read and maybe you'll fall asleep while you're reading them, but they are there for a purpose. And so as we do a flyover, we'll, we'll hit some areas more heavily than others, but we do want to take it all in. We want to take it all in. I want to just share a little bit of a story with you. Um, about 20 years ago, believe it or not, my brother David and I went to Alaska And we we went to work for an air taxi and a fishing lodge there up in a place called Port Allsworth, kind of south of Anchorage a little ways. This is actually Port Allsworth. And we went to this village that was only accessible by air. Either that or you would hike for weeks and weeks through mountains and lakes and rivers to get there, which no one did, but you flew in with a small plane. And we had some different experiences with um, small planes and... David, for example, went on a caribou hunt one time in a bush plane, something like this. And he and some other friends went, flew out in the middle of nowhere and hunted caribou. And I had a, a, just want to share with you briefly an experience I had in this very plane. I stole this off their Facebook page to give credit where credit is due. But that was the plane that I was in. We were flying back from somewhere. I couldn't tell you where. And this particular plane is quite small two seats and a half if you're small you can get a third person in there two seats at front um pilot and co-pilot in the in the front of the plane and um this you can no, you notice the tires are quite large on there they can land on various sorts of of ground tundra squishy bushes you know they, they can they can land on all of that stuff um Also in this particular plane, the doors hinge on the top, and they swung up, and you could latch them to the bottom of the wing. So we were flying along with the doors open. It was a nice day, and about 80 miles an hour, I was in the co-pilot's seat and then the pilot over here, of course. And we're we're flying along. It's very windy, of course, and very loud. We've got a headset on, and we're flying very low, kind of right about treetop level, which isn't very high. Trees aren't real huge in that area. And I noticed we were approaching some taller trees, well, you don't want to keep going really, but I heard over the over the headset, the pilot said, "Do you get airsick?" I really didn't know what that was. And so, <clears throat> but he was about to educate me. And he he pulled the yoke back about that time and we shot straight up or what felt like straight up and I think my stomach stayed down there somewhere. That was a new experience for me. I had not uh, had anything like that happen in my life. Well, fortunately, I didn't get airsick. That would have The situation would have turned out a little worse, but, and we fortunately missed the trees that were coming quickly in front of us. And we continued our flyover, if you will, of the Alaskan wilderness. Now in a flyover, picture yourself in this little stinson here. In a flyover, you can see a lot of things. You have a lot of advantages. You can see what's behind you. You can see what's in front of you, and in my case, out open air doors you can see quite well as we flew over trees and tundra that day we could see lake clark that's part of lake clark in the in the lower picture off to our left to the right was mountains about several thousand feet rising up off the tundra we could see other various things trees etc but in a flyover you miss things too don't you at 80 miles an hour even at treetop level You don't see the gentle waves lapping on the shore. You don't see the the fish swimming in the stream or the mountain goat silently watching your plane from the rock. You miss some things. Now, as we fly over the Old Testament, there are things that we'll miss. Actually, there's a lot of things that we'll miss. Some of them are in the scripture. Some of them background information or whatever that we'll miss. But there are advantages. I have to determine how low and how fast we fly over But it won't be 30,000 feet, and it probably won't be treetop level either. So I'm hoping that there'll be some advantages at the level that we take, but we will also miss some things. Listen to something Martin Luther said about studying the Bible. Martin Luther said, I study my Bible as I gather apples. First I shake the whole tree that the ripest might fall. Then I shake each limb, and when I have shaken each limb, I shake each branch and every twig. And then I look under every leaf. So we in our flyover of the Old Testament, we're, we're not going to get down to those lower levels. Likely we won't go beyond shaking the whole tree. I want to share with you some of my goals. And I suppose I should say the goals could change slightly as we go along. But for now, here's three main things I want to do in this flyover. First, I want to gain familiarity i want to fly high enough that we take in the views and we get a better idea of the contours of the land the lakes the mountains the streams the forests even a few big animals familiarity with the stories the themes the people and maybe in particular the god of the old testament and then as we're flying over looking before and behind we're going we we want to get an idea of god's plan through the ages. So familiarity. Lots of this might be reminders and reconnections for us, right? But keep in mind that as we can see in front and behind and out the sides, we're going to miss things, but we can see farther. We can see longer distances than if we were grounded. So I'm, I want to get a feel for that timeline as well, but a timeline of the Old Testament how events and people intersect with each other and when they happened, when they fell in history. And as we try to gain familiarity, I want to keep our eyes on that basic timeline. Maybe rough perhaps, but try to grasp a basic timeline. Of course, keep in mind there are many stories we don't have included in our Old Testament, right? It's it's pieces and parts of history Lots of things went on that we don't know about, and there's actually segments of time that we know nothing about. There's black holes in the flyover of the Old Testament. Well, second, this flyover should have functionality. The Old Testament is functional. That is, it's useful for us today. So we want to take time to let the message of God from the Old Testament impact our life here and now in the Bible in general and in the Old Testament in particular this requires that we use interpretation technique and hopefully we'll have a chance to touch on just at least some of those issues and practices of interpretation as we go through the Old Testament but the Old Testament has meaningful lessons for for living it's functional In many ways, it's not as clear. It's not as direct as the New Testament, particularly those letters that are written to the church. We feel those more directly. But the Old Testament is functional and it's useful. It can provide guidance. And when properly interpreted, it helps our lives. It feeds into our lives today. The third thing is, as we spend time here, it will strengthen the foundation of our faith. And these things all kind of overlap a little bit. But the Old Testament is foundational to our knowledge of God. You know, there's emphases, there's stories, there's personalities, there's lots of other content. And it's all true history. And that teaches us about God. That teaches us truth about God. It builds our foundation. It helps us understand. And that understanding is not just academic, if you will, but. It's the same God who has reached out to us, who has called us his own. So the Old Testament is foundational. And it's foundational, if you think about it, to what we read and what we look at, what we study in the New Testament. The New Testament writers were steeped in Old Testament content. Some of them would have had large portions of the Old Testament committed to memory. They were so familiar with it. It was their heritage, for the most part. It was their heritage. That's their scripture. That was their Bible. It was the word of God to them. And if you think about it, where did Jesus come to? Who did Jesus come to? He came to an Old Testament world. He was born to the Jews under the law, the law of Moses. Now, as we think about the Old Testament as foundational, we're reminded that it sets the stage, and it does prepare the way for the Messiah, for Jesus, the coming of the Messiah, the stories, the prophecies, the general direction. God is revealing the need for a Savior and His promise that the Savior will come over the years. So there's much more to this thought, but the Old Testament is foundational for a proper understanding of the New Testament, for a proper understanding of who God is, and it's old test the old testament is foundational for us as theists, as those who believe in God, and then as Jesus-believing Christians. It's something we can't leave out. Now, if you're in Alaska and you're um, <clears throat> wanting to take a trip in your small plane to another village or to the bush somewhere, it's not quite like what we would do if you're going to go somewhere and jump in your car. You don't just simply put on your coat and grab your purse and head out the door. Even in a small plane or a personal plane, the wise pilot has a pre-flight checklist that he goes through before his flight. You know, the pre-flight checklist allows the pilot to know or at least get a great idea if that plane is airworthy. It reminds the, the pilot of important elements for safe and effective flying. It might include things like an exterior walk around of the plane, visually inspecting the motor, um, sensors, cables, landing gear, those kinds of things. It might also include testing certain instruments and alarm systems, maybe looking at fluid levels of the engine, those sorts of things. But even, even in the most hurried situations, I remember times when the flight needed to leave. We were behind schedule or whatever was the case. But even in those situations, the pilot took a moment to walk around the plane to touch a few pieces, visually inspect and test different parts before he was willing to commit his and maybe others' life to that plane. Well, there's a bit of a pre-flight checklist, if you will accept that, that we need to go over before we jump into the content of of the Old Testament. There's a few things, a few elements to inspect, if you will, to be aware of and knowledgeable of before we take off. Now, there's a lot of things we could throw into this pre-flight checklist. There's lots of details that we could include. But I want to just look at a few elements, things we should be aware of, things I want us to be knowledgeable of in order to have a successful flyover. The first thing I just want to bring, bring up is we should be aware of, in simple language, changes. Changes. Changes between now and the days of the Old Testament. You know, people and things, they change over time. And we are significantly removed from the times, from the ways of the Old Testament. And not only are we removed geographically, which has a bearing, but there are vast differences in language, in society. Cultural norms have shifted dramatically, both in the unbelieving world as well as the world of those who believe in God, theists. Our very world view, our perspective on on life, even I think the very the way that we think, the process of thinking has changed. And that's just the nature of things that changes, those sorts of things change as time goes by. And it has definitely changed since the days of the Old Testament. Now, I don't mean at all that i to i'm not espousing evolution here as a theory it's just the nature of humanity the nature of the world of culture that as generations go by these sorts of things change so it's vital that we know that and that we keep that in our mind as we come to the stories and the locations the wording and the oddities of the old testament what was the expectation of the folks In the stories, what was the perspective of the characters of the Bible? What did the unbelieving society around them look like and why? And how many more other questions like that speak to this topic? So in talking about all these changes, we do remember, as you well know, that God says he does not change. Right. In his character, in his person, God is immutable. That is, he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday the days of the Old Testament. He's the same today, right, where we find ourselves, and He will be the same tomorrow, anything yet future. However, check this out. I think God tends to work. He tends to meet us and relate to us within whatever human structure we find ourselves in. So, some of the society, the cultural mentality... The expectations in the Old Testament, we may not understand them real well, even if we try to understand them. But God is working. God is loving. God is re- relating and directing in and through those times and cultures. The way God works, the way he relates and interacts, may change in different periods and cultures. I think it does. I think it does. We need to be aware of this and open to it. At the same time, we remember that the principles of God, the character of God, and His love for humanity stay the same. So keep an open mind on that one. Process with me on that. Another question in this pre-flight checklist then, what in the world is the Old Testament? Now, some of you can answer that better than I can. I can. But what is it? Let's just answer the question. What is it we are wanting to study? What is it we're wanting to fly over? Well, the Old Testament is the first part of our Bible. Of course, we have two Testaments, right? The Old and the New. That's pretty original, I guess. Not not real creative. The Old and the New. Some of the church fathers in the fourth and 3rd and 4th centuries, they made the decision to split the content of God's revelation into Old and into New. And in this instance, the word testament speaks of the word covenant. So according to these decision makers, the first part of the Bible contains old covenant material, while the second part contains new covenant material. But the Old Testament is a Hebrew book. That is the message. And the focus surrounds the people of the Israelites, the Jews. In fact, Our Old Testament is the Hebrew Scriptures, even to this day, though we do have it in a little bit different order than they would. It's their Bible, the Bible of Judaism. But we, of course, need to come to the Old Testament because it has value for us as Gentiles in that we have been adopted into God's family in a certain sense as well. It should should also be mentioned that the Catholics... And the Eastern Orthodox Church includes several other books in their Old Testament. As Protestants, however, we hold to only the 39 books that you will find in your Bible. Most likely it's in your Bible. These 39 books are what we claim to be the authoritative Word of God, the ones that were inspired by the Holy Spirit in the original autographs, in the original writings, and then have been preserved for our use and for the ages to come. So those other books that the Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox Church includes in their Old Testament, we label as the Apocrypha. Maybe you've heard of that. Now, those books can be helpful. They may be historical. They may be informative. But they're not inspired by God. They're not reliable as his truth. Related to this question, then, what is the Old Testament is the question, where did it come from? Well, we can, we can say right off the bat that the Old Testament was God-authored. Maybe that goes without saying, but we should remind ourselves, we believe the Bible to be inspired, infallible in the original documents, and then preserved by God for the human race. That includes us, thankfully, here today. It's the book that reveals God to us. It gives us hope. It gives us the way to life and all of this, of course, includes the Old Testament. Part of the preservation work, by the way, that has taken place has been at the hands of devout and concerned Jews over the, over the decades, over the centuries. Jewish scholars, God-worshippers, generation after generation of religious Jews have been careful to preserve their Hebrew scriptures. And that is our Old Testament. Now, we don't have any of the original documents original infallible autographs anymore those have all rotted away somewhere but we have many ancient copies to study and to compare of the old testament interestingly in the first century that is after the church was born after Jesus had been here listen to what the apostle peter says about the writers of at least some of the old testament he says this in second peter Above all, you know this, no prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men spoke from God as they were carried along. That word carried along has to do with wind blowing in the sail. God was the one who directed the writings of prophecy is what Peter is saying. So we believe that the authority and the accuracy... Of God's word in the Old Testament has extended from those original autographs into our, in our translations today. God, thankfully, has preserved the message from the original Hebrew writings for us. This means we can trust the accuracy of the Old Testament in all aspects. Now, think about that. Not not just theological and ethical, but also historical and scientific. The Old Testament is completely trustworthy. Now, it would be very interesting. Maybe one of you wants to take up this hobby of disproving the Old Testament or the Bible as a whole while you're at it. Some some have done just that in the past. I don't mean to cast doubt upon your hobby, but i don't know of anyone who's succeeded so if if you If you have that desire to disprove the old testament it would be very it would be a very interesting quest but think about the areas that would need to be explored, and this is just a very very basic not only the consistency of the theology and the and the ethical message throughout the morals throughout the Old Testament. But you would also need to look at that area of science and history. Listen to what um, one, one person, a Dr. Kinneman, has, has said about in the field of archaeology. He says, of the hundreds of thousands of artifacts found by archaeologists, not one has ever been discovered that contradicts or denies one word, phrase, clause, or sentence of the Bible, but always confirms and verifies the facts of the biblical record. That's significant. So I'm casting doubt upon your, I'm casting shadow upon your, your new quest to disprove the Bible. Well, there's more on that subject for another time. As we think about a flight, a uh, pre-flight checklist, I want to just give you a very basic flight plan. You know, the pilot who's, who's, going to start up his airplane engine and fly somewhere should know where he's headed and how to get there I would like to my, my my hope my goal is to to follow the Old Testament in a somewhat chronological order which means that it will not always follow the order of our Bible entirely generally but not fully I'd like to inspire, in intersperse some of the prophets with narrative some of the there's a large portion of portions of prophets Material as we'll see in just a minute, but input some of that along the way, um, especially toward the end of the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, where most of the prophets are clumped at that point. So, the attempt will be to align the prophet and his message with whatever else is going on in the Bible and in history. Again, trying to follow and, and be aware of a basic timeline will be part of what we're doing here, part of our flight plan. We will spend some time at least with each individual book as we look at our timeline and as we do our flyover, maybe looking at things like who wrote this book, why did they write this book, who did they write it to, maybe what is the general content and the purpose of the book, and in some cases Genesis, for example, we will go into some of the specifics of the book. Poetry and wisdom literature comes along, and we will give some time to that in, in some way, a little differently, but they're not specific to a certain period of time, but we will touch on them probably about the time the authors would have lived. Remember, all the books contribute to the message of the Old Testament, but not all the books, if you will, move the story forward. They're not all, they don't all have a storyline. Ideally, though, we'll get a better feel for what is happening in the general story of the Old Testament. And as we do that, a little bit of what is happening outside of the Old Testament, in the world at large. Who are Israel's neighbors? How do they interact with those neighbors? Maybe who is the world powers? Who are the world powers during some of these periods? There's a lot of extra biblical materials, fascinating things to look at. There's endless study that could could go into this. Maybe you want to do more on your own. We won't have time for most of it, but much of it can be very helpful and very exciting. The last thing to look at as we think about a pre flight checklist is the composition of the Old Testament. The composition of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is made up of 39 books, as I mentioned, in our Bible. It's written by at least 30 authors over at least 1,000 years, period of 1,000 years time. With the exception of a few chapters written in Aramaic, the Old Testament is recorded in the Hebrew language. As a side note, by the way, maybe you've heard of the LXX or the Septuagint, That is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's a Greek translation of the the Hebrew Old Testament. It was done a long time ago, though, and that's maybe why you've heard of it. It was done in the third century before Christ. The purpose behind that Greek translation was to reach Jews that weren't in the land of Israel or non-Hebrew-speaking Jews. Greek would have reached more, uh, those who had been maybe dispersed or something, but Keep in mind the Septuagint, that that Greek translation is considered very very accurate, very good. In fact, it's even quoted by some New Testament authors in our scriptures. Now, grab your Bible, turn to the front of your Bible. Before you get to Genesis chapter 1, hopefully you have a table of contents. This may be the only time in church that you turn in your Bible to something other than one of the books of the Bible, but... Look at that table of contents for a second with me. If you don't have it, I'm sure it's in the pew Bible there. The table of contents before Genesis, very beginning. As you kind of just kind of keep your eye on that, I, I want to split that into three basic groups as, and this isn't my idea, but just as we think about the structure of the Old Testament, the first group of books could be seven, the first group could be called narrative, and that would be the first 17 books. So the first 17 books of your Old Testament could be um, considered narrative or story books. That'd be from Genesis through Esther. You see Esther, find Esther there. So from the beginning, the first 17 books leads us to Esther. Those are the narrative. Then there's a second group. We could call those wisdom and poetry. That's only five books. That takes us from uh, Job through the Song of Solomon. You see those five books, Job through the Song of Solomon, that's the second group. And then there's a third group, again, 17, the books of prophecy, the books from Isaiah to the end of the Old Testament, Malachi. So generally speaking, we could split the Old Testament into these three segments, 17 narrative, five books of prophecy or of poetry and wisdom, and then 17 books of prophecy. Now, I personally, I don't know, maybe you think that's silly, but I think that helps. I think that's simplistic, yes, but I think it helps us as we begin to classify some of what the Old Testament is. But let's, let's break it down a little further. You can keep your eye there on that table of contents. Look at the first five books of your Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those books should be classified as the books of the law. Sometimes they're referred to as the Pentateuch. I'll refer to them as the Pentateuch, having to do with five. The first five books. Now, in the Hebrew scriptures, these are called the Torah or the Torah. I don't know how they would pronounce it exactly, but that just means the instruction or law. These five books are the basis for Judaism. Traditionally, Moses is considered the author of these five books, the Pentateuch. Of course, Moses didn't live during a lot of the time that he wrote about. And they cover a significant amount of time, right? Beginning in the beginning, creation. And then the story that's recorded in the Pentateuch, those five books, it brings us all the way through the events um, of the Israelites, or or all the way at the end of the Pentateuch will be the event of the Israelites entering the promised land under Joshua. Joshua. So we have everything from the creation account to God's choosing of Abraham. Eventually, his, Abraham's descendants end up in slavery in Egypt, south of Israel. God delivered them with Moses. You remember some of these big stories. And then we actually spend a significant amount of time in that Pentateuch with the Israelites in the desert, getting the instruction of God. God detailing to them, to them the laws and the things that they're to live by, the things their nation should be governed by. Now, really, the time covered there is an unspecified amount of time, but it's estimated that Moses, if indeed he was the author, which I, I believe that he was, perhaps he recorded these volumes toward the end of his life. That would have been about 1400 BC, 1400 years or so before Christ came to the earth. Well, the remaining 12 books, you can see them there in your table of contents, we, the first five being the Pentateuch, the remaining 12 books we could call uh, of that first segment, sorry, the remaining 12 books of that first 17 of narrative, we could um, call those the historical books, the historical books. These are Joshua and all the way then through Esther. Again, these books are generally narratives. They're generally telling a story. There's various authors of these books. Samuel the prophet would figure prominently as an author. The timetable is basically from Joshua. Like, like, like I said a minute ago, the end of Moses' life um, as they entered the land and Jericho, the story of Jericho is right at the beginning of that. They took the land of Canaan. And then the, the, the timetable would take us all the way through the times of the judges the times of the kings, Israel's ancient dynasty, and finally through God's judgment on Israel for not following His ways, they are deported. They're taken off their land, off their land and then the last part of this historical book um, um, segment would would bring us to when they return to the land of Canaan. They're able to return to the land of Canaan. The storyline or the 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 storyline of these historical books begins about 1400 BC, Moses' death, and then would take us all the way to about the mid 400s. So about a thousand years of time would transpire during the events of these stories. Esther being the last of those books was after, after the people were allowed to go back to their land. And that would really Take us within a few decades, within 20 or 30 years of the end of the Old Testament. So that brings us to the five books in the middle. Hopefully you're following generally what I'm saying here. These poetry and wisdom books, the five books in the middle of the Old Testament. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. For the most part, these books are not narrative. They don't tell a story, but they offer advice and wisdom. They, they offer musings on the human condition and on life. The poetry that's so prevalent, especially in the Psalms, is emotionally packed from praises and joy to the heartfelt cries of the hurting and discouraged. There are several different authors representative, David and Solomon being the main ones. Now, look at the last 17 books of the Old Testament. Those are the prophets. These guys take up a lot of room, as you know, in our Old Testament. Isaiah, Jeremiah with Lamentations, Ezekiel and Daniel would be considered the major prophets. They're major in that they are more wordy. They're more material. There's a lot more chapters per book. The rest of them would be called minor prophets, 12 minor prophets. The average book of the minor prophets may be in the four or five chapter range. Well, that brings us to the end of the Old Testament. That was not the flyover, but that was a very quick review of what we're going to look at. Now, when we went through Philippians and Ruth last year, I encourage you to read through the books, to read ahead, be familiar with the material for your own sake, that you might get more out of it as we're together on Sundays. Now, that might not be so easy with the Old Testament. I read somewhere that it takes 52 hours and 20 minutes to read the whole thing aloud. So, you know, in over two days' time, if you didn't go to sleep, you could read the whole Testament aloud. But if you're a quick reader and you don't read it aloud and you, you have the time, you can read the Old Testament along with us. But if you don't want to read the whole of the Old Testament, if you don't have that, that time and you have other other readings going on, whatever... I do encourage you to take some time to familiarize yourself with the area that we are looking at, the book that we are looking at, some of the content of what's going on there. It, it, for your sake, you will you will get more out of our time together on Sunday if you're doing that. And if I'm sick, then you're ready to take my place and preach the message. Well, some of you are Old Testament buffs. You, you're ahead of most of us. There's, that most of this will be a reminder but wherever you are on your journey of understanding the Bible, on your awareness of the Old Testament, I, my hope is that this flyover will have good reminders, but that we will come out of it with a better grasp of the Old Testament than maybe we've ever had. And that we'll be challenged, that we will grow in our relationship with God, and ultimately that our lives will change that we will learn to follow Him in His ways in just a little bit better way. Let me remind you, oddly enough, the verse that we happen to be working on as far as memorization, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures, God, or depending on the translation, all scriptures breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. And then after that comma, Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Originally, think about this. Paul wrote that to Timothy. Paul was referencing the Old Testament. When he said scripture, he was talking about the 39 books of the Pentateuch, the historical books, the writings and the prophets. The scripture, this Old Testament is what? Profitable for teaching, reproof correction, training in righteousness. And then verse 17, that the man of God, that the woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now, we know know now that that includes the New Testament. We believe this includes the whole Bible. But the Old Testament is useful and is there to equip us to change our lives as those who believe in God. Now, even if you don't read the whole of the Old Testament, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. That is, on the bottom of the screen, commit yourself to the Word of God. That is, submit yourself. Commit yourself to God's revealed truth. Maybe you've never really done that. As a Christian, it's vitally important that we submit ourselves to God's inspired Word and the authority that it carries for our lives. It carries authority over our lives and specifically in the months ahead the old testament carries authority for our lives so consider that for yourself and i urge you to commit yourself submit yourself to god and his word and the the authority that it carries you know we we look at it we read it we study it we explore it but we must let it affect our lives we must submit to it let it penetrate our very souls, and provide direction and change. I know that I need that personally. So I look forward to this flyover with you. Next week, Lord willing, we'll start in on Genesis. And I hope we have some fun together, and I hope we learn some things. And God works in our lives, so let's pray together as we come to the end of the service. Andrew, if you guys would come up. Father, thank you for this chance to think about the Old Testament. I'm excited for it, and I pray that we would all be hungering to know more of you. That's what the Old Testament's there for, to reveal you in so many ways. Thank you that we would, that we can have the chance to hold a Bible in our hand, to study it on our own for the many, many other um, material, the other material, the other work that we have available to us to look at and to learn from. And God, I pray ultimately, Holy Spirit, that you would work in our hearts, that we would see the truth we need to see from your word. Just ask it in Jesus' name.